0: This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Vogue.
1: Hello everyone, my name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod. And with me, as always, is Maxwell Vogue. Hey Joris, how are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. How are you, Max?
2: I'm good. I'm uh, having lots of fun playing around and doing my normal thing getting ready for christmas so yeah
1: are you gonna three doodle all the guy all the all the gifts or what what, what are you Uh, actually funny you
2: should mention that this weekend we're helping some friends trim a tree and Uh we're using the sugar the chef doodler to make some gingerbread houses and we're using the three doodler flow to uh, make ornaments
1: <laughs> really? Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Man.
2: For real. Really <laughs> <So, laughs>
1: yeah, it would be fun. I like that. Yeah. I, I should try. I, I think I have one. Oh, no, I gave away. Every single time you give me one, I keep giving you away. to other away. people. <laughs> well, <you laughs> know, try it one uh, day. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll buy one. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, wait. Actually, actually, I'm going to get two of the sugar ones. I ordered two of your sugar ones. Oh, that's true. You did. I'll get those in New New year. I'll, I'll see if I can make my own. uh I don't know when that is, but then I'll, I'll make my own ornaments for the next uh, holiday, let's say. Well, who do we have on the 3D Pod today? Uh, so we have Oscar Kasson uh, on the 3D Pod today. So Oscar started working on uh, he's an engineering uh, uh, graduate and uh, electronics, uh, electrical and uh, uh, you know, engineering electronics. And then he, he worked for an agricultural drone company and then ended up uh, about six, maybe nearly seven years ago now, starting Jawstech, Tech. And Jawstech Tech is a service bureau. Uh, started, I think, in polymer and they do their polymer 3D printing service. Uh, they do MGF, they do a SLA or polymerization, they do powder bed fusion, uh, they do metal 3D printing or LPBF, but they also offer like CNC and injection molding and stuff like that. And of course, yeah, this whole like service uh, landscape is a very, very uh, exciting slash difficult place to be at the moment. And uh, so, so yeah, it's a really exciting to, time to to be talking to Oscar uh, about his company Jawstack. So welcome to the show, Oscar.
0: Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Looking forward to this for sure.
1: All right. So so first off, like, how did you get, how did you end up starting Jawstack? Right? How did you what what was the the, the, the big you know the, the initial idea? Sorry. Yeah.
0: So uh, initially, we actually. Uh, got into the space through the agricultural drone site. We began printing through a service bureau on the polymer EOS printers. Really loved the quality, the style, it, just everything in it really worked well for our application. Then we actually got in touch with a desktop metal reseller. This is all back in 2017. Uh, at that point, we put some money down to maybe try to get a metal machine. We thought that was cool and exciting and then went and saw a EOS um, open house where they showed off some of the equipment and uh, all the different styles of machines and materials. And from that process, we really realized that there was an opportunity probably to bring our, on our own machine to do our own production, and then maybe offer it out as a production service. And so that was kind of where JAWS Tech grew into fruition uh, starting in 2018 with a single polymer printer uh, with desktop metal printers on order. And yeah, so that's kind of where Jostec began.
2: What was the big hole in the market that you were seeing as a result? Like in 2018, you just weren't able to order uh, Yeah, so
0: lead times was our biggest issue. It seemed like we would order part and it would come maybe in a two-week, four-week period. And so that was really frustrating. And then along with that is the pricing was fairly intense. And we knew that there had to be a better way of doing it. Um, obviously we had some small little desktop printers that were great for the prototyping aspect that we wanted to do, but we really wanted the consumer end product that was gonna be able to sustain the level of growth that we wanted to experience, at least with the drone side. Yeah,
1: but I, I always discourage people from starting these businesses, the services, cause it's really, really hard to make money, right? The capex is intense and just the operational part of this is really intense as well. It's a really difficult thing. I, I always equate it to being a baker. You know, it sounds great, you know, oh, you're baking away. But, you know, day in, day out, it's, it's going to be really, really tough to, to, to grind out the wind in, in manufacturing, right?
0: Yeah, no, I, I would completely agree with that. It's, it, it's a lot of uh, the upfront cost and the learning curve is steep. And getting into this space, it definitely was an eye-opener as far as what the needs of the customers were and how to best achieve those. And I think that's where we, we started to focus on the instant quoting side for JAWS tech, at least that way, at least it was easy for customers to come to our site, get a quick quote. And that way they knew what they would be experiencing. And we would try to achieve that the best way possible internally. And so that was really the main point is try to make it as seamless for the customer. And that, that created a lot less of a barrier on our side. But uh, like you say, the, the acquisition of the actual machines, that was a large constraint for us.
1: And the other thing is, I think, well, you guys are in Idaho, right? Is that an advantage? Because I'm not aware of any like, other that I know of. I'm sorry if, if I'm insulting anyone, but there's not a lot of other 3D print services there. Is that, is that, was that a huge advantage for you guys?
0: yeah i I would say so in our area obviously we're in the southeastern part of the state so uh i am literally about 200 feet away from a potato field so fit the scene quite well nice (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah we are we are smack in the middle of what you would consider agriculture land um so it's odd for a technology company necessarily in this area um we're right next to a dam so all of our power is done on renewable sustainable energy, so that's a a nice advantage for a lot of the manufacturing OEMs that do require a um, sustainability in their part acquisition. So that is a little bit of a benefit. But then, like you say, our power is a bit cheaper and our labor is a bit less expensive and the cost of the building and rent is a little bit cheaper. that being said, it's it's not all that significant in the grand scheme of it, but it definitely every little bit helps as far as overhead. So
1: Okay, yeah, I agree with that. I mean I think if you can eke that out, like putting it like nowadays, you know, maybe being closest to your customers, being closest to, to, to UPS, or being closest to being able to deliver at a certain time. You mm. know, so, so just being able to print later on the day, for example, could make you half a day or a day closer. So maybe you don't need to be in New York, maybe I know it's fine, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the next day air shipping is uh, pretty marvelous that we can ship something to Maine and know that it will get there uh, tomorrow. So it's, it's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, And the other thing that interests me is like the largest companies, I don't know, it's like Simplot, right? The, the, the giant yep. company that makes all the potatoes for for McDonald's and <laughs> Lamb Weston and stuff like that. Do you get, like, I, I'm not asking you to disclose if, you, if those are customers, but do you get orders from companies like that, like these, these big agricultural firms?
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's a a great example. Unfortunately, due to NDA stuff, I can't say yes or no to any specific customer. But Idaho is a large purchaser from our services. So um, California and Idaho have the bulk majority of our orders uh, coming from those two states. So that makes it really interesting to see the amount of. Idaho companies that are utilizing Idaho services, and it, it's it's really interesting to see what kind of technologies or uh, the companies are innovating uh, by utilizing this process.
1: And I, I like this because, well, on the one hand, it's kind of like you guys had a really, uh, a, you know, at least, at least a U.S. wide uh, focus already from the beginning. But, but it's interesting that so, that so many of your orders are coming locally from your state because I wouldn't have assumed that early, to be honest. And, and you, why is that? Do you think that people are just trusted because you're there or they like to visit you to feel a little bit more comfortable with you? or what, Time? Do you think they are?
0: <laughs> yeah, what's up? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I, I think it's the relatability a little bit is if I can get it in the U.S., awesome. That's even better. But if I can get it next door, <laughs> that's fantastic. And so I think there's that familiarity that really does help customers come to our door and know that they're going to hopefully get the best quality service. I mean, we, we strive for that customer service aspect and um, the, the price is obviously very competitive for the rest of the market. And then with our instant quoting, it's nice and quick to get your quote, let alone the lead time and stuff like that. So it, it does give a more confident buyer. Uh, you've got less risk, especially if you can drive down to the place in about an hour and be able to see your part coming out and through the production line. So yeah.
2: Do you actually have a lot of people do that? Um, We do a
0: lot of tours. Yeah. Um, We'll have individuals just call up and say, hey, I would love to just see what you're up to. And can I stop by at two o'clock on a Tuesday? So yeah, we, we do quite a few people just do a quick walk through the building. Obviously, the printers being that they're quite large and the industrial look—you uh, get a lot of just wow factors in that case, and it's it's really fun to see the level of just ingenuity or innovation that starts to go through their mind. Like, wow, I could do so much more with that if I had known about this three years ago.
1: One of the big themes, like that we're seeing right now, is this whole like friendshoring. Uh, you know, kind of companies going back from, from, from China specifically, but maybe even uh, overseas locations to, to shoring in Mexico, for example, or in the United States. Are you seeing a lot of that kind of stuff? Is that driving demand for you and this this on this kind of supply chain resilience? Is that really working or is that more kind of like a media thing that doesn't really affect you guys day to day?
0: Yeah, no, uh, we've definitely seen a positive impact. Um, everyone's wanting to go back to U.S.-based manufacturing or at least in the local northern hemisphere here uh, for North America. It's definitely been a positive impact to us uh, that we can say that all the parts are being manufactured here. We can get you to you quickly. Uh, Whereas a lot of the other larger service bureaus, obviously a lot of their contracts are still overseas. And so that is a negative portion to a lot of uh, what they're doing there is it, it. It doesn't keep the jobs local and manufacturing with the supply chain issues. That's a that's a big deal for a lot of people, but we are still pushed to be as competitive in the pricing realm as possible so that it still makes economical sense.
1: And how do you differentiate yourself from other surgery? Because like, like you know, you've got, you know, the AOS P110 or maybe your P300 people, like, like you have that machine and the other guy has the same machine. You know, what's the way to differentiate yourself? You mentioned certain things like being on time and stuff like that, having the right price. Is, is that the key thing here or is there more?
0: Yeah, so uh, a lot of people push quality, um, and I understand where they're going from. You want to get people good parts, but that should be a given. <laughs> if, if you're ordering an MJF or an SLS part, it, it should be good. Why, why are we saying, oh, we'll be an absolutely fantastic SLS part? It, the machine's the machine. You should be getting a good part. You're ordering one. So I don't think quality is necessarily something you should bolster too much. Um, Whereas the lead time and the customer service aspect, I think that's really where you can, so many people are doing custom work. And if we can understand that project better than the next service bureau, we can get you a better quality part in the end, probably. But more than that, we're going to be able to do exactly what we tell you we're going to do. So when we're on the phone call discussing how this gets mounted onto this particular thing, we're going to be able to see that and say, okay, well, this is the material recommendation. If you would thicken up this area, that would make it a bit better. Uh, if you need it as lightweight as possible, these portions probably don't have to be involved there. And then we really get a more uh, customized experience to fulfill the customer's needs and wants uh, without them having to have that in-depth knowledge of what that machine does and operates like.
1: And and how do you guys feel about it Because like, how do you guys feel, for example, about companies like Core, right? Core is like this, this yep. giant bag of money and they're 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 buying and sometimes in some cases rebuying uh, 3D printing services yep. and other services Perfect. around the country. There's also – there's a couple other companies that are doing the same. Uh, it was one of the American Industrial Partners, all these things. They're consolidating, right? Their belief is, mm-hmm. you know, American manufacturing, especially the small-time CNC shops, they're closing. There's no natural buyer for them. Employees can't buy them. You know, there's nobody gobbling them up locally. So the American industrial capacity is shrinking, whereas the American technological base has to be increased to support the military, but also also other stuff. How do you guys feel about that? Is that like, are you secretly like yeah, wringing your hands? Cause you're like, yeah, we can sell to these guys. Or are you thinking it's like unfair competition or, or what do you feel about that?
0: I think it's a natural progression in this industry. Everything's going online. And so, If they can bring on these smaller mom and pop shops that uh, don't really have anyone to take them on after the owner's looking for retirement and stuff like that, if they can bring them on to a network that is going to help keep manufacturing local, I don't think that's a bad thing. It does make that uh, competitive market more aggressive, for sure. And so that is a little bit harder to navigate for us. Obviously, we're not out here buying a bunch of companies to try to uh, increase growth. While that sounds like a fantastic idea, it, it has to integrate really well with our current offering and solution. So it, it really, I think you always get those industrial investors that start to come in and start to buy up all the little ones and it starts to consolidate. And so it's going to be a natural portion of it. I think the industry is growing so rapidly that more, more dollars isn't going to take dollars away from other individuals. It's just going to be growing the industry. Quicker and more rapid in the end, so I, I don't see any any reason that the pie that's growing at a faster rate than money's coming in as a problem at this point. Once we get to, I guess, critical mass, yeah, we can. I could definitely see that being an issue and being frustrating, at least on our end of trying to stay at this level of growth.
1: And do you guys have an idea of like, you know, do you want to see, because I believe you guys are like a family business, right? Do you want to stay like that? Do you think that gives you an advantage because you're like, you know, you can focus on the long term You don't have to live quarter to quarter. Or do you think that, oh, wow, we, we, we juice this with lots of money, please. Is is that kind of more of a different approach?
0: Yeah. So we haven't, we haven't uh, secured any outside funding. Um, We are just family run and stuff. So that is definitely something we want to keep up. Uh, and go in the right direction. Obviously, if the right opportunity comes up, they're where there's synergy. And that's the biggest thing, I think, is there has to be very clear synergy that we would be moving forward together in the right realm for us to even consider it. But I am never want oh, to just say there's no way we're moving anywhere other than this. That being said, I do love what we're doing. Uh, I love the service and the offering that we do have. And if I can be doing this for 20, 40, 50 years, uh, that sounds like a fantastic idea. So
2: that's... I mean, I I assume since you don't have VC and outside investment and all that, I assume you're profitable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Congratulations. You're doing better (laughs) than
0: like happy industry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, (laughs) It's a tough one for sure. And that's always something we're trying to get better at and do a better job of increase that number. But at the same point, we want to still provide a good experience to our customers and stuff like that and um, I think we can do it in a way that is intelligent and not in the way where people just get dumped bags and bags of money on uh, they become unprofitable and they can't get themselves back out of that that's that's what we want to avoid for sure
1: Okay, you guys, the first well, tell us first, first you kind of got started with some polymer stuff, how did you, Your kind of like your, your well I guess your product portfolio your machine portfolio evolve, what did you end up buying and implementing and what didn't you end up doing?
0: Um, Yeah, so uh, our main portion of revenue coming in is definitely our MJF and SLS. And that is where we focus at this point in time. We do offer some metal printing. Uh, It is not nearly to the stage that we would like it to be, uh, but it's obviously a lot harder of an industry to crack in. uh, And there is some cold metal fusion that we are working with uh, actually Nexa 3D on to try to optimize that for some of the machines we have here for those. And that's a great opportunity to really get into that market a little bit better. But at this point in time, the MJF and SLS are definitely our focus. And then um, we do offer some SLA, but unfortunately that is not where we want to continue growth um, just with the process that we currently have. The CNC portion of our business is one that we are growing, but it is more local. And then that goes the same with injection molding and cheap metal. It is a lot more localized to this area for individuals that we bring on as a, in a contract form and really try to do a mass production runs for them.
1: And uh, why don't you like SLA? Is it just because you not you didn't get started in it, so it's not an expertise thing? It's not something you love, or, or what's what's your kind of misgivings about that technology?
0: Yeah, mostly just a lack of knowledge, I would say. I'm, I'm not as versed in that area um the polymer side is kind of where i got started in and that's the one that i really enjoyed for the most part the reusability on that side is really nice the lack of supports and everything like that that all starts to come in with sla all the ppe and stuff that starts to come in with sla projects alcohol and support removal and stuff like that there's just a lot of unknowns there that i don't feel like we are as capable with, and um, at this point in time, one that I'm not uh, ready to really invest in heavily for at least our site that we have here. So
1: okay, okay. that makes sense. I mean, and 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 and, but you do offer both MGF and uh, and SLS, right? So the AOS and in your case is AOS and HP. Yeah. You know, is that just a historical accident? Would you, if you've gone differently, just stick with HP or AOS, or do you think it's it makes a lot of sense for you guys to offer both?
0: Yeah, we're, we're one of the more unique ones that have both on site. It, it is a it's kind of a funny situation how everything ended up working out. Our first machine was an EOS uh, P396. And then the next machine we got was a 4200 HP MJF machine. And those both came online in 2018. Um, and the reason for splitting that ended up just being purely a cost. Uh, situation is to bring on a new machine. We needed another one. Um, HP offered us the deal to make it happen, so we were just like, "Oh yeah, they're they're both PA twelve. We'll just go for it." Um, and I think that was a little bit of the lack of knowledge and just the guts to say, "Yeah, let's let's see if this works." After that situation, we did bring on two more EOS machines, uh, but have since brought on seven other HP MGF machines. So that's definitely where we have focused on our process. Um, we have brought on a few of the XYZ or Nexa 230 machines. And then we have a Nexa uh, QLS 820 machine on site too now. Um, and that's been a fun project to work with uh, Nexa 3D, trying to optimize a lot of their new materials they're coming out with, as well as some of the unique printing applications they have, That's that's been a fun project, but um, the HP MJF relationship that we do have is definitely one that we want to foster and grow with consistently uh, because that is where the bulk of our orders do come in from. It is a great machine. And we do have a great relationship with HP on
2: that. Is there a particular industry that you find using your services more than others? Or is it agriculture is coming to you more often than say, you know, oil and gas or something of that nature?
0: We, we obviously service nearly every industry or uh, almost all of them in some sort of range or fashion. Um, medical and automotive are probably our two biggest with a close second to agriculture and your drone and RC industry. Uh, those are both obviously very high customization. And that's definitely where we see the most orders coming in. Especially on the medical side, we see a wide variety of customized parts that start to be moved into a production sphere. And that's all with the automation design of like scanning for body fitment and stuff like that. That has really, we've seen a large increase in growth in that area just because of the technology. As it improves, you got all this machine learning. Um, and they're utilizing that for design implementation and customization. And that has been a large uh, grower in at least our services here.
2: I assume the medical stuff is all external related stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Okay. (laughs) Yep.
2: (laughs) Just checking. Maybe you cracked something.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. So most of um, the automotive side would be in a similar fashion, customized to individual vehicles and stuff like that. But they get a lot larger in size, and um, uh, there have been a lot of fun projects on that too. But I would say yeah, medical <laughs> some fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I, and, and I'm interested in this. What you said that there's machine learning stuff the iterations. that was starting to have an impact on you guys.
0: Uh, I would I would say so, uh, especially in the design work. And I think I think we're going to see a large shift in the level of customization utilized for product. I mean, there was a little bit of a joke running around that I was in the HP spaces, we had text to image, and then now we're getting text to 3D model. Well, soon we're going to have text to MJF. <laughs> and obviously they were using that in a particular case where someone goes and prints on the MJF machine, but we're going to have text to your 3D model that can be printed. People are already doing it in a more specific fashion where they're taking a scan, they're plugging in those data points, they're setting those points, maybe with manually initially, but then throwing that into a software that's been developed to outline that perfectly. Uh, I think you're going to see that in the prosthetics. I think you're going to see that in orthotics, knee braces wrist braces, I'm mean, back braces. You're gonna see a lot of that. And that would just be on the medical side. Then you start getting into like uh, eyewear and helmets and shoulder pads. I, I mean, the, the range of possibility, if you can have the proper individuals that know how to code up a auto design program for a specific project, that's gonna move customization and personalization in the 3D printing sphere very quickly
1: okay okay that could be interesting and 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 do you see any industries where you're 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 well what do you expect for future growth you already kind of said that a year's expansion of what you're doing right now is there any industries where you're like a little bit kind of expecting them to come online but you're not seeing them yet or or you're seeing like just a trickle of things you really really think that's going to grow bigger as well
0: yeah i i think right now we're kind of main focus is on what we're doing and just try to do it as best as possible Um, so as far as like the future aspect, I think more and more we're going to get better technologies and material properties, uh, to where specific projects that are designed for the additive manufacturing space really start to have a large impact on consumer purchases. Um, the, the ease of being able to design something and just get it printed. It makes it really easy for individuals to get in the space. But once you understand the technology that you're utilizing and the design applications for that particular material, that is really where you get a large improvement in quality and process. Obviously, there's a bunch of stuff coming out about like printed marathon shoes and how much better in rebound and stiffness they are. And so, little things like that, once you get dialed in, that area, it really is going to create a very high quality product. And so if we can be at the forefront of that technology coming here, being the ones that have the capability to really optimize for your manufacturing needs, that's where we can see the largest impact. And obviously, the lower we can get pricing on materials and as those start to go down, that will become uh, very viable for continued manufacturing for 3D printing.
1: Like, the one thing is, of course, okay, I understand some guy is going to come in doing sports equipment, right? Maybe he makes hockey shoes. I don't know, right? Um, or skates, hockey shoes. What I'm saying, uh, skates. <laughs> I really like that. You, uh, I like that you call them shoes, there, Charles. Yeah, yeah. uh, <laughs> anyway, hockey skates, right? They make skates, ice hockey skates. Then they, they first work with you, get some prototypes and stuff. But at one point, they may buy their own machines and can move away from you. Do you have a kind of anticipation or scenario to really be their the actual manufacturing partner and to make that really attractive for them? Mm,
0: yeah. So. With, with our process that we do have here, we do make it, I mean, not intentionally, but with capital investments that have been made, we do make it kind of hard to leave us. So if you want the same product, you've got to go buy one of these MJF machines. You've got to have a labor force to run that. And then we've got your AMT and dimension post-processing equipment, whether that be blasting, smoothing or dyeing. So now you've got to make an initial investment in three areas of your post processing that you didn't know you're necessarily investing in, in order to get the quality of product. And then we've got all the systems in place for your quality control. Your lead time is really quick. So if you've got a large 10,000 piece order, we've got eight machines here. We can pump those out depending on the size uh, in four to five days. Whereas if you have one machine, it's going to take you four weeks. So that level of capital investment is very difficult for individuals to get into. Then with our knowledge and processes in place, you can be fairly confident you're gonna be getting that high quality piece coming out and stuff. So we do anticipate that we are gonna lose some customers just with the natural uh, progression of things as quantities go up. There's a point where MJF no longer is the viable option because you can go get it molded. That's where the customized products, you you can't go get those molded nearly as easy. So those ones, those are awesome to see in the volumes that can really see that potential. There's always that happy medium is a small little block that you wanted 10 of. Now you need 10,000 of. Well, after that, you may as well go get that injection molded and we'll lose that customer. But that's just kind of the natural progression of... You've gone through the prototyping, small manufacturing, and now you're at the point where you're scaling and really providing a lot of parts to all your customers. And so uh, you would just come back to us for your next project type of idea because you enjoyed your experience with us. So yeah, we definitely see it as a factor of people leaving us and maybe going and getting their own equipment, but we have made that fairly hard just with our knowledge
1: you've got like this blasting equipment. So you've got like depowdering kind of automated solutions for that kind of stuff Mm. from dimension stuff, but this is still like a batch based uh, kind of system, right? You have to take out the Mm. cake and move it to the the next step and then move it to the next step. Have you thought of like really automating this stuff? Like, you know, putting little robots to convey everything, robot arms, that kind of stuff. Have you looked at that kind of stuff or does it just not make sense to do that right now?
0: Yeah. We definitely have looked at it, but with, With the levels of improvements we can make in the business at this point in time, a large investment for a robot that will start the print at four in the morning isn't as beneficial as maybe just better maintenance training. That that is more beneficial to us than the robot. That being said, once you get up to like a Smile Direct situation where they're running 50 printers in a facility and stuff, the automations make a lot of sense and they have they've been developed to really increase that quality control aspect you've got less people giving it the chance to break it or drop it or something like that and those are all definitely factors that play into it but definitely at this point in time there's just so many other larger percentage increases for our time and investment of capital compared to a robot or a uh, camera filtering system and stuff to identify every order and piece coming out of the printers. The individuals that are trained up on that are good for that. And usually you do get a little bit more of an understanding and uh, of the parts for the customer. So...
1: Oh, but then I'm curious to say, if you don't want, believe in robotics, what are the areas you, you, you do want to invest in? Because training is one of them, I think, and then you mentioned that. What, what, other, what other are the or why is training so important? And what are the other areas you'd, you would rather invest in than in robotics right now?
0: Yeah, so um, with the portion of training, it's definitely something that you always want to make sure the individuals that you have here are providing the best quality of service to the customer. And so if they understand what they're looking for as far as part quality defects or ensuring the correct quantity and stuff, that's going to be all a part of your quality control. We have to be able to get the customer good quality in the sense of managing the orders coming out. And so that's where training really is the biggest thing uh, that goes right along with your maintenance trainer training that you've done, uh, making sure you've got good downtime booked out in advance rather than. Waiting for the machine to go down and stuff like that ruins all your uptime. So training is a massive portion that I think can always get better and better. As far as future growth, I think software is going to make the biggest impact. So rather than robots moving orders, uh, just having a software be able to tell you where exactly every single order is—that is more beneficial. And that would require individuals to be updating those order locations, and then maybe at that point in time you can have robots be able to do that scenario where each bin is tagged correctly and moves to the next area and stuff like that. that. That would align with that software portion, but that software would be a much more viable solution and increase the overall, I guess, profit, just throughput for this facility rather than um, a robot arm that pushes the parts to the next stage having the clarity for the customer is one of the biggest things that we would like to see.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's a, that's a, I think that's a good idea. And I think also what I, what my dream thing is, is kind of an extension of that. It's also just like, imagine you guys have a lot of volume now and imagine you just spread that out over a number of days and imagine mm-hmm. then your nesting could be much more advantageous. And all of a sudden oh. you can get over seven machines out of whatever you're going to print in the next 24 hours you could just, you know, fit these geometries t- together better in a much more advantageous way to save you just a few percent.
0: But that's mm-hmm. like,
1: essentially, it's like free money. Like, yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, would you be looking for stuff like that? Because I, I, that's one of the things where I see all these packages come out, software people with like design and AI design all this stuff. And I'm like, no, no, but I want to figure out, I have this thing, this machine, and I want to make as much money from it per minute as I can. And I know there's a lot of other people that want to do that too. So so would you, be, would when you, you love software like that?
0: Yes, completely. We've, we've had discussions about that entirely is if it could see the total order queue and be able to space that out and understand when orders are due and at which quantities things need to be printed at which day and be able to throw each individual piece where it fits perfectly in. And I have eight to 16 builds running a day type of situation at the optimum range because it can see 20 days out that would be ideal uh, that would that would make a huge impact on our business it, it would increase the overall uptime the output of this facility that that eliminates a bottleneck almost completely of a limitation about the amount of product that our facility could produce basically double probably the amount of production we could run in a week uh, which would be massive because now you're not having to go buy one of these more expensive machines just to bring on an eighth more capacity you've just doubled it with the software addition to nesting
1: uh, i don 't know about double maybe but but <laughs> I I,
0: do, I think by thirty percent twenty thirty cool. percent
1: but uh, but but at the same time like I think what what would be really cool is of course you could tell then you could maybe have like parts printed in recycled powder or the the, the perfect orientation for every part right mm. And that kind of stuff just—I don't know—I I don't know why this would mean. I, I'm glad you you, you said that it means so much to you because I think this is just stuff that, that materialize and other people should really be working on because I think it would make so much impact on on, on the market.
0: No, I would agree with that. It, it really and and that's probably where the machine learning starts to come in and predictability um, models happen. It, it really we're we're in a sphere where it's going to become a lot easier to implement these specific challenges like that exact problem of optimizing a build and manufacturing it efficiently.
1: And how about like the parts that people want? I mean, a lot of times you're dealing either with really experienced customers that are kind of like, they want a PA-12 part, they know what it's going to feel like, they know what it's like. And you're also dealing with like new customers who are kind of like, you have to kind of, of, you know, kind of like drag them in to our <laughs> little world. world. Uh, are there, you know, other things that people really want? Do you think, oh, if it could offer like, you know, closed surface texture or better coloring or smoother surfaces or different materials, what are the things that you think would really make your business much bigger?
0: Yeah, um, more materials and different finishes. Uh, Cerakote is one that we get requested from quite a bit. Just the ceramic paint finish. There's just a lot of labor involved with that process. And then again, with uh, your different materials like FR, ESD, your food grade, a lot of those situations do come up quite often. And so it would be great to be able to offer every single customer that exact material that they can really bring it on. Your individual customers that are coming to you as a one time hobbyist uh, that maybe don't have as much knowledge or experience with the instant quoting it does make it fairly easy for them to see uh just a pa12 part if you want it black perfect they don't have to know too much about it but then on the other side is we do have a lot of like information and data as well as like the data sheets for the specific materials for your more knowledgeable individuals that are really like no this is my application i have to have this type of tensile bar strength as well as elongation and stuff like that and that's that's really interesting to see how individuals come out to utilize this process and their feedback as well as what materials make sense for them. Like a softer rubber is one that we get constantly. And, and that's, that's hard to do just because we're melting plastic together and it does seem to solidify and make the rubber really dense. And that, that's, that would be something very cool to see as far as uh, these printer manufacturers really hit the market better in that sense.
1: Do you offer like TPU and polypropylene, right? How are these materials faring? Is that something that a lot of people are turning to, or is it still quite niche?
0: Yeah, I would say it's still fairly niche. The TPU is brought on uh, quite well. Um, Other individuals that are needing specific applications or uh, just that bend and uh, rebound state, definitely it works in that area. Uh, The polypropylene fits a specific style of customer. I think it's a little bit cheaper on our website. So we get individuals that have that lack of knowledge that end up ordering it oh, and it's not they, working. Yeah, for they want scenario. to save money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, like, no, it's not wrong ideal. No material. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that's just with how the pricing kind of came out uh, from like HP and stuff like that. But it really does fit the chemical resistant customer well. But they have to be aware that, I mean, the nickname for it is polywarpaline. It warps. <laughs> A flat plate does not print well in polypropylene, definitely on these machines. And so those are the difficulties that we start seeing those come through. So we'll reach out to customers and be like, hey, this isn't the best material. What are your applications? How can we help uh, increase that knowledge base?
1: And, well, okay, so, so uh, you know, the, the, the rubbery, so you want more rubber stuff, like more like silicone type stuff, like smooth uh, uh, type of stuff like that as well, right?
0: Yes, yeah. A softer rubber would just... I think it would hit a lot more individuals that need a uh, softer piece or what you what you would expect from a rubber instead of the harder TPUs uh, that are quite grainy and stuff like that, that that surprises a lot of individuals when they get it.
1: Okay, okay. That's a fair point. And how yeah. about like um, – we were talking the other time about like the rise of like bamboo labs and other kind of like kind of more competent – SLA systems and all that, do you see that as a threat? Or maybe have you thought of maybe saying, hey, what about if we get you know, 20 farm lab systems in here or you know we buy a hundred bamboo labs? You know, have you thought of stuff like that as well?
0: Yeah, we've definitely considered stuff like that just to be able to hit more customers out there that uh, can possibly utilize our service. It's just creating the time to build that knowledge base so that we are competent when we would go into that sphere. But it's definitely really interesting to see these companies kind of starting up and be in the more competitive as far as uh, the quality of the product and strength of it uh, competing with everything. So it, I think it's all, it's all positive direction for sure.
1: And how about the material? Everyone always says the material is too expensive. Is that, is that your experience as well? Are you thinking like if the material would be much cheaper, I would be able to do so much more and offer so much more? Or is that not a main impediment for you at the moment?
0: Um. The the material is expensive, but the cost of operations is now the more significant point. So I would agree that if we really want mass adoption for these types of processes, yeah, the material's got to get cheap, but so do the machines. And so does the cost of upkeeping those machines. So uh, there's, there's a large barrier to entry because of that. And uh, I think. I think as time goes on, as more machines go on in the market, your materials are going to drop. Uh, but the printer manufacturers and maintenance teams and stuff like that, those have to get more efficient and better at producing the products that still meet the standards. Uh, but it's materials not the only factor now. I think.
1: Okay, and and where do you hope to be? Like, let's say in five years from now, if you're in business. Where do you hope to grow? And also, well, how do you define that? Do you want to have 50 machines or do you want to be the quality leader? Do you want to, you know, what are your goals really for the next five years?
0: Yeah. Um, so pretty much what I would like to do is about 10x. I, I want to be able to have a large fleet of machines here and ones that are being filled up to the capacity that we currently are hitting as far as a percentage goes. We should be able to provide that value to customers still through our online engine, uh, getting the best high quality parts off industrial machines. I I think that's definitely a reasonable scenario. Um, So at a 10X that puts us at quite a few machines, but I know there's more operations that can get uh, better and more efficient here. So I don't see it being 80 machines, but I I do see it being um, a, a good number of machines here. Uh, in in the u.s that really can help facilitate a lot of the manufacturing needs for the space and obviously we want to keep doing it in a way that customers are happy with the quality of service and lead time that they're getting uh all, all along with a very exciting price
1: all right that sounds like a wonderful dream to have there oscar so uh good luck on that and then uh and uh Yeah, thank you so much for telling us about your business and and what you guys have been up to. So thank you so much for your time.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on.
1: And Max, thanks for being here today, as always. Always a pleasure. Thank you, George. And thank you for listening to another episode of The 3D Pod. Have a great day.
0: You've been listening to The 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard, or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.